Welcome to a special Oscar Week episode of THR's Behind the Screen. I'm Carolyn Jardina, and joining me today is my colleague Scott Feinberg, Senior Awards Analyst at The Hollywood Reporter. Thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you for having me, Carolyn. Today we're going to be looking at the crafts categories in advance of Sunday's Academy Awards. It's certainly been an unpredictable season, and uh, certainly in feature animation. <laughs> That's been due in large part to the first appearance of Netflix. They released its first original animated feature production, Klaus, this year, and they additionally acquired I Lost My Body, the French film, right after Cannes, which has been a big factor in this category. Scott, what are your thoughts on basically the service's impact on the category well, this year? Well, it seems like it, it's been significant for a first year in the game. I mean, they totally took over the Annie Awards, which are given by the people who actually work in that segment of the industry. Right. And Klaus was the big winner yeah. with seven, including Best Animated Feature. Uh, I Lost My Body won three, including Best Independent Animated Feature. And Toy Story, How to Train Your Dragon, and Missing Link were all shut out, which are the other three nominees in this category. Right, which is kind of incredible when you think about the fact that probably most people in the animated side of the industry have, have worked or are currently working at either Disney, Pixar, or DreamWorks Animation, and they somehow didn't vote for any of their own stuff. But it's also been all over the map in other ways, too. The Golden Globe went for Missing Link, which, granted, it's a small voting body, but that's pretty incredible. That and, the, and the BAFTA went to Klaus. BAFTA went to Klaus. And uh, meanwhile, Frozen 2, hoping to follow in the footsteps of Frozen, which won here like five, six years ago, doesn't even get nominated. So it's a very hard category to figure out this year. I think the way the, you know, most people are reading it is that Toy Story 4 probably just maybe on the basis of the familiarity with the franchise will ultimately eke it out. But I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't be totally shocked if, if something else came in and won. But I think the elimination of Frozen 2 and a G-Kids movie is in large part, again, due to the appearance of Netflix Absolutely. this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been nine months since I used every ounce of my influence to get you into the Royal Postal Academy. Actually, nine months and six days, but who's counting? What? No croutons? Oh, man, come on. Shall we take account of your progress, then? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. Sergeant? Yes, sir. Sorting and filing. Total failure. Carrier pigeon care and handling. Abysmal performance. Transport of fragile merchandise? Worst on record. Well, one that's slightly easier to predict, I think, is um, our next category, Achievement in Cinematography. The nominees are The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And all indications seem to suggest that Roger Deakins is going to win his second Oscar in three years for 1917. Yeah, probably the safest bet of the entire night. It's, uh, It's a movie that itself will probably win best picture but regardless you know the the driving force behind that movie clearly one of the academy's favorite movies of the year is the visuals and the and the notion that it's all basically done in one shot which was also the case with a less complicated shoot i think but birdman just a few years ago wins best picture and best cinematography i think we'll likely see the same thing here and it's just kind of nice that deacons after having to wait decades to get one is now rightly, you know, they're starting to make up for lost time. He probably should have six by now. <laughs> right. Well, it certainly looks like two on Sunday, yes. come Sunday. 
And speaking of the impact on 1917, we're going to move on to production design. And the nominations here are Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Now, last weekend, we saw 1917 win the BAFTA in production design. But uh, if we look at the Art Directors Guild Awards, which were also last weekend, we saw uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood win the period film category, and we saw Parasite take the contemporary film category. Um, In the last five years, uh, twice the period film went on to win the Oscar, twice the fantasy film category winner went on to win the Oscar, and once we saw the winner of the Art Directors Guild contemporary film take the Oscar trophy. What do you see happening this year? Well, I don't put that much stock in things like the Art Directors Guild only because art directors or or production designers themselves account for such a small percentage of the overall academy. And so I think that with some categories like this where most of the academy doesn't even understand the craft that they're being asked to evaluate, it's often a coattail category and they just vote for the movie they like the most, which would suggest that the BAFTA result of 1917 could be repeated. And I kind of think it will. The the trenches and the whole recreation of No Man's Land and the bombed out buildings of World War One that was done very well. But it's going to be neck and neck, I would guess, with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which essentially recreated 1969 Hollywood Boulevard in an incredible way, along with other things like the Spawn Ranch and and just did a great job and, and sort of has the added advantage of just kind of pinging at the nostalgia of voters who remember that time period. And it's sort of like watching that world be recreated. So I've heard a lot for a number of the nominees in that category. I anecdotally have heard the most for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but my kind of instinct here is that it could be 1917, Dennis Gassner. I'm going to lean toward Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I, I think this is a tricky one to predict. Also, at the Art Directors Guild, the one that actually received the most applause was Parasite. Well, there you go. And I mean, there. But the, as you pointed out, it's a small branch. <laughs> small branch. But I mean, Parasite in a completely objective world might well deserve to win because if you think about the two houses, the contrasting houses of the rich and the poor people in that movie are so central to the story. We see every little nook and cranny of the dump that the poor family lives in and the mansion that the rich people live in. Apparently, the poor people's house was built along with the entire neighborhood in a tank so that they could then flood it. That's right. (laughs) I mean, people just watching the movie would not know that, but it's pretty incredible and certainly as up there as uh, in terms of being impressive as any of these others. I don't want no... Bronco Buster handed me that $50,000. I want the old man himself. Murdoch Lancer puts $50,000 in my lap or I'll eat this little picture down a well. You got that, Boston? Huh? Yeah. All right, messenger boy. Deliver my message. Let's move on to the sound categories. We have sound editing and sound mixing. Uh, These are two categories, but as you first reported in The Hollywood Reporter, there is some discussion about potentially merging those two. What are you hearing right now? I do believe that those categories will end up getting merged. I think that they will go to great efforts to convince the sound community, and probably correctly so, that they will still have both people that work in both of those areas recognized. So let's say 1917 wins in the you know uh, if that category had if the categories had been unified this year you would have both 
sound editors and sound mixers nominated and recognized for that. But, you know, they don't make things easy on themselves, that branch, when they nominate almost all or all of the same films in both categories, because it suggests that even they are not making much of a distinction between the two crafts, or it just creates that appearance, which then we go to the full academy and ask them to vote, which are more than 90% of the rest of the academy is outweighing the sound people in making a decision about the winner. And most of them don't have any clue what the difference is, what sound editing is, what sound mixing is, what the difference is between the two. So I think it's something that is more justifiable than just doing what the Academy tried to do last year when they were talking about booting categories off the air. You know, this is not a matter of saying sound isn't important. It's just a matter of saying our voters should understand what they're voting for. Well, what you point out about the roles is very important because I think if if they merge the categories, you still have to keep, you know, i.e. the re-recording mixers on the ballot. Um, If that changed, um, that would be a very big conversation. Um, Right now, certainly within the branch, I'm hearing arguments for and against the move. So it seems like there'll be a lot more discussion about it this year. With regard to where these two categories stack up this year, uh, four of the five are the same. So Ford versus Ferrari, Joker, 1917 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are nominated in both categories. The fifth nominee for sound editing is Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. And the fifth nominee in sound mixing is Ad Astra. Right. What do you think here? Well, I'm hearing primarily Ford versus Ferrari or 1917 in both categories. I think that makes sense in the the sense that they're very aural, A-U-R-A-L experiences with the car racing, of course, and the whizzing and the zooming and vrooming and all of that with the cars there. And I guess the recent precedent for that kind of thing would be Mad Max Fury Road, which won. But then you've got a war movie in 1917 with bullets and explosions and bombs and all of that. And Dunkirk won two years ago. And Dunkirk won two years ago. So, you know, and, and many other war films have done the same. I mean, 1917 is probably the stronger bet in the sound mixing category, where also Hacksaw Ridge had a surprise win a couple of years ago. And um, so even when a war movie hasn't won both, it's won sound mixing recently. But my hunch, based on recent history, where we've seen in, in eight of the last 13 years, the years in which both of these categories have had five nominees, they've agreed on a winner. Because most people, again, not being able to make a distinction, vote for the same for both. And so... I'm guessing it will be 1917 for both, but I also would not be surprised if it's Ford v. Ferrari for both. I think people are just going to go with one film in both categories. I agree with you, and I think it will be one of those two films as well. (laughs) Um, And just for some background for everyone, 1917 won the BAFTA for sound, and that is one category. The Cinema Audio Society, which represents the sound mixers, gave their top award to Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, I guess one asterisk, though, about the Cinema Audio Society nominations is that they were announced before 1917 was screening widely, and so who knows how that affected its standing with that group. And then the third one, the Motion Picture Sound Editors Golden Reel Awards, they actually split the top two awards. Um, Ford versus Ferrari was honored for effects and Foley and 1917 for dialogue and ADR. <laughs> well, thanks for helping us clarify the situation, <laughs> sound community. The second are due to attack the line shortly after dawn tomorrow. They have no idea what they're in for. And we can't warn them. As a parting gift, the enemy cut all our telephone lines. Your orders are to get to the second at Kwasi Wood, one mile southeast of the town of Lacoste. Deliver this to Colonel Mackenzie. It is a direct order to call off tomorrow morning's attack. 
If you don't, it will be a massacre. Well, in at least the last three years, the two sound categories went to the same film that also won the film editing category. So why don't we do that one? Here we have Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Parasite. Yeah, I guess the the reason that we won't be potentially seeing that trend continue this year is that 1917, which may well win both sound categories, is not even nominated for the film editing category for very obvious reasons. There's not any obvious editing in it. I guess the film editors branch of the Academy, the editing branch, if anyone should appreciate the fact that there actually was some subtle editing there by Lee Smith to create the appearance that it was all done in one shot. But regardless, they found that five other films were, you know, more impressively edited. And I think that of those, Ford versus Ferrari is the likely winner here because it's sort of the most obviously apparent editing to somebody who doesn't even necessarily know much about editing. It's very fast-paced, cutting just like recent winners, Born Ultimatum, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Whiplash, and on and on. So it is interesting that the American cinema editors chose more subtle work to honor in Jojo Rabbit and Parasite. And those were uh, best edited comedy and best edited dramatic yes. feature, respectively. But yeah, I mean, it's so it's it's sort of all over the place. But I think that, again, in, because the vast majority of people voting are not, you know, necessarily editing specialists, what I'm hearing from voters are things like, the Irishman could have used more editing. It's not necessarily nuanced analysis of editing. It's just saying, like, did the movie feel tight? Did it feel like the editing was was something I noticed? And for that, it would be Ford versus Ferrari. Nothing in there about my trunk and your lovely little portmanteau. You're holding the 62 edition of the SCCA. You can stick this bloody sticker where the sun Hey, hey, Bill. Shine. Hey, right. Bill, what seems to be the problem? Well, the problem is that Bill here is an arsehole. Is no, he doesn't mean that. No, yes, he does. No, yes, he really does. Yes, yes. no, he He's really does think that Bill is an arsehole. I'm just Hang doing on. my job Bill, here. Bill, 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 in my experience, there is, listen to me, something like this, there's always a middle ground. All right, now Ken's out of line. And I'm just right. doing my job. I understand you are. You know how he gets on a race day. You know that. Let's move on to makeup and hairstyling. We have Bombshell, Joker, Judy, Maleficent and 1917. Now here, the big winner at the Guild Awards was Bombshell, which collected three trophies, and Joker mm -hmm. won one yes. at that event. And then Bombshell additionally won the BAFTA. What are your thoughts here? This is, to me, one of the most interesting categories of the whole night because you have to go back 22 years to find an example of a non-Best Picture nominee beating a Best Picture nominee in this category. The only thing that's different, though, this year is that they've expanded the category from three to five slots, which means that perhaps that rule is no longer as relevant, and a movie that is nominated this year, like 1917 or Joker, which are Best Picture nominees, would not have been if it was just three. But because I and many people think the winner is likeliest to be Bombshell, uh, and if not Bombshell, then Judy, again, and both movies that take a an actress, well-known performer, uh, and turn them into a well-known other celebrity, the fact that the stats are so against that is a little disconcerting and and I think might make some people tempted to pick either 1917, again, as part of a sweep, or Joker. But I personally, I can't imagine those beating Bombshell, where if there's one thing anyone's talking about, it is the incredible transformation of Charlize Theron into Megyn Kelly's. But 
But 22 years is quite a bit of history to bet against. That's very true. But there's definitely been, as you said, a lot of attention on that transformation and the prosthetics artists behind that won this category two years ago for transforming Gary Oldman into Winston Churchill in The Darkest Hour. Yes. Why didn't Gretchen quit and sue instead of suing only after she got fired? Why didn't she complain? Why didn't she complain? Really? He means the anonymous hotline. There's a hotline? Yeah. I did the harassment seminar twice. I never heard about a hotline. Because it's bullshit. They have a contractual right to monitor our communications. A hotline in this building is like a complaint box in occupied Paris. It's like we're telling women, go on, speak up for yourself. Just know the entire network is with Roger. No one will believe you. They'll call you a liar. Let's go to another one that I think is very tough to call, um, which is the visual effects category. So we have uh, Avengers Endgame. The Irishman, The Lion King, 1917, and Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Now here, 1917 won the BAFTA. Mm -hmm. um, And at the Visual Effects Society Awards, Lion King won three trophies, including the top award for visual effects. uh, And Irishman won two, including supporting visual effects. Um, In the last 10 years, five years the winner of the top award, which is Lion King in this case, uh, won the Oscar, and twice the supporting category, again, the winner there was Irishman, won the category. Uh, but this is a tough one to call. It's what do really you think? Tough. I mean, it's rare that a film would win, I think, this award without really showing up in any other category, which I believe is the situation with The Lion King. I think it has happened with something like Ex Machina, which was a shocker a few years ago. I am reluctant to pick The Lion King because I don't believe it's a movie that a ton of Academy members responded to in any major way. Yet, what do you go for here? I mean, the winner, there are very few instances in history in this category as well, where a a nominee that is a Best Picture nominee also has lost to a film that wasn't. And I think there's like two ever where that's happened. And that would suggest that Avengers should not be thought of as as the one to beat. Another thing that would suggest that is that all nine prior Marvel movies nominated in this category lost, including two with the word Avengers in their title. And, um, and actually, the last time a superhero movie won the category was actually 2004's Spider-Man yeah, 2. Yeah, Spider-Man 2. So, <laughs> so you do have to go back away. Yeah, because, you know, again, it's like, yes, it's a visual effects category where if the visual effects community was voting, they would probably pick movies that aren't necessarily Oscar bait in other areas, but the visual effects community in the Academy, the percentage of people in the Academy who are visual effects experts is not big. And so that's why personally, I would be more inclined to pick one of the best picture nominees where you've got 1917 and the visual effects certainly were a part of making it look like a one shot film or the Irishman, even though it's reverse aging is very polarizing. And so It's a very tough one to call, and I think that the picks are going to be all over the place. Hello? Is that Frank? Yes. Hiya, Frank. This is Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, yeah. Glad to meet you. Well, glad to meet you, too, even if it's over the phone. I heard you paint houses. Yes, yes, sir, I I do. I do, and I, uh, I also do my own carpentry. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Do you have any comments you want to make on any of the other categories? What's your best picture pick? (laughs) Well, like most people, I've ultimately broken for 1917 just because every bit of data and information that we have right now suggests it's the favorite in the sense that 
the only other place that uses a preferential ballot to pick Best Picture is the Producers Guild, and they went for 1917. The Directors Guild, which is actually the most historically consistent predictor of Best Picture, went for Sam Mendes from 1917. You know, BAFTA, Golden Globe, Critics' Choice, it's, it's won everywhere without the preferential ballot. But we have to remember that the Academy is a group that is unlike any other in the sense that it's more international, which could play to the advantage of Parasite, where people are not going to be as weirded out as they once were when they had to consider subtitled films. You've got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which certainly plays right to the base of the Hollywood contingent of the Academy. And so very hard to call, but if you're just trying to play it safe, which is what you know, predictors should probably do, I think you would have a hard time not picking 1917. How about you? I'm slightly leaning toward 1917 for the same reasons that you just mentioned, but I also think we could see some surprises on Sunday. I know. I mean, imagine if they call, you know, Jojo Rabbit or something, which I don't think is going to happen, but it's just, there is, it's virtually impossible. It is impossible to game out the preferential ballot where we should explain to people that when they expanded the best picture category to include possibly having more than five films in a, in a year, this was uh, 11 years ago after the snub of the dark night. What they also wanted to do is make sure that the winner of best picture isn't one that can win when the vast majority of Academy members don't even like it. So imagine a situation with like tree of life in a year with 10 nominees that is a movie that was very polarizing. It had a handful of people that really loved it, which were enough to get it nominated. But there were a lot of people, I would argue more, who wanted nothing to do with it. And yet, if you just had a straight out vote, it's possible that if the others all split the vote, that could have won. So what they're looking to do by having their members rank all of their best picture choices and then counting it through a preferential system is to make sure that your number two, your number three votes may well also count in a close race and that the winner is at least something that most Academy members at least can live with as opposed to one that they're going to flip out angrily about. So, you know, it's trying to figure out almost what is the least objectionable movie of the lot. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And uh, just a reminder to our listeners, after the Oscars, we'll be taking a few weeks off and then we'll be back with new episodes. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.